spirituality in ourselves is because we find a message and everything that we want in life all the hard moments they were supposed to happen because that got us aware that it's time to take action and when we take action we taste our strength we taste our will and we say we can do it you're listening to find the good news episode 91 The Magic Feather, a Beacon Series conversation featuring Don Jose Ruiz, Toltec shaman and author of The Medicine Bag, Shamanic Rituals and Ceremonies for Personal Transformation from Hierophant Publishing. Find the Good News is produced by Parker Brand Creative Services, a branding agency that thinks sideways, pushes forward, and gets your brand up. See what else we do at parkerbrandup.com. There are events in our lives that are charged with a specific energy. These moments can feel electric. Time perhaps feels bent. Sensations get prickly and details seem enhanced. To the outside world, these may look like nothing more than the ongoing and ordinary ebb and flow of occurrences. But for the soul connected to the happening, these grooves in the timeline take on new meaning. For the experiencer, these moments are made holy and there is high value in the ability to go back to them and experience the wisdom and lessons many times as the wheel of life turns on. When I was a boy, I had an experience like this, and even as young as I was, there was an awareness that I should create a remembrance of the experience. So I gathered a small item from nature and kept it close to me. I keep it close still. This became a practice through my life, and as the small totems of remembrance grew, I started keeping them in a small and simple leather bag. For years, it has moved with me along the timeline, mostly hanging in a visible space where I rest. That is, until recently. Several months ago, I discovered the book, The Medicine Bag, Shamanic Rituals and Ceremonies for Personal Transformation by Toltec shaman and author of The Fifth Agreement, Don Jose Ruiz. Many mornings I would bring Jose's book with me on my dawn walks at a nearby cemetery, a place that I go to connect with spirit and to pray for the living souls whose remains lie there. Day by day, Don Jose's words clarified the value of the medicine bag, but expanded its value far beyond the small leather pouch and the contents inside. Something old was shaking loose inside my heart, a space where I'd been keeping this medicine bag somewhat secret and safe from the eyes of the world. Jose's book was asking me to share it with the world in a new way that I had not done before. Inspired, I reached out to Don Jose's publisher and he graciously agreed to share his time with me on Find the Good News. This conversation was absolutely pivotal for me. Even still, I am riding along the pleasant current of our visit. Jose radiated a sweetness and kind energy that was palpable even across the great space between us. He listened to my experiences with love, and the words he offered in return carried the aroma of truth that I have come to appreciate from great teachers of wisdom. Don Jose Ruiz is connected to his ancient heritage, and like his father Don Miguel Ruiz, he continues to practice, expand, and share the shamanic wisdom of their Toltec ancestors. In our visit, Jose shared highly personal family stories, connecting them directly to the details of our talk, humanizing and grounding each with clear and meaningful connections with strands running directly into his heart. In truth, this conversation was an invitation far beyond the pages of his new book, The Medicine Bag. In the midst of the conversation, Don Jose Ruiz invited me into the medicine bag that is his heart. In some small way, I feel as though I am there still. I encourage you to untie the leather cord that may be sealing your heart 
your medicine bag. Tune your attention to this good news beacon and press play on a little good news. Wake up this morning, dreaming of the story I can hear. The way it's going, cause you're laughing in your sleep. On the path to your deliverance and a holy ball of light. Old news, bad news, fake news. Sometimes you want to shut those signals down and seek a better source. With my Find the Good News Beacon series, I tune into good people doing good works wherever I can find them. I scan across the full spectrum of life, seeking out human beings that have turned their dials towards helping others, aligning their time, resources, and talents with goodness, justice, mercy, and love. In each episode, I sync up with the hearts and minds of my extraordinary guests. We have dynamic conversations that invigorate the mind long after our transmission has ended. I discover the critical life experiences that shape them, the perspectives that drive them, and the fundamental beliefs that have anchored them to a path of goodness. There's a lot of background noise in the world. My name is Oren Parker, and I'm cutting through the static to find the good. to start this conversation off this morning though by thanking you because when I reached out to try and get in touch with you uh it was really because of this book right here the medicine bag okay mm-hmm. I <laughs> I saw this when I was you know I'm an avid reader <clears throat> and I really like to try to apply the things I read you know I have to put them to the test and see do they have work in your life you know and this book jumped out at me. I mean, I didn't, hadn't read it yet. I saw the name, The Medicine Bag. And I'm going to pause real quick and tell you why, because I must hope you, hopefully you can see this right here. You see this, this right here? Yes. Okay, so this is my medicine bag from when I was a young man. When I was 20 years old, I was living in Colorado, and I had an experience on top of a hill that I had climbed called White Hill. And I had this sensation that I should remember that day. And so I picked up a stone off of that hill. Well, that next day I I went into a little shop and and there was this leather bag hanging there. And uh, I asked the lady what it was. And she said, oh, that's a medicine bag. And she said, well, I said, what do you do with it? And she said, you know, in simple oversimplified form, she said, just, you know, you keep items in there that mean something to you, things that you can touch again and, and enter these spaces that were meaningful to you. And I was like, oh, I need this. So I put that stone in that bag. And over the years, I collected all these items. And so eventually it dry rotted, you know, but I kept it. And about six years ago, I bought a new bag and it's been hanging on my lamp right next to my bed all these years. And I'm not going to lie, I hadn't opened it in a long time. I hadn't touched it. And so I saw your book, and I I read it. <laughs> and ever since I read it, I've been carrying this bag again. And you know, the other day, I sat outside on the patio with my son, and he asked me about it. And we had this incredible bonding experience over these items in this bag. I got to share a large part of my spiritual life that I'd never shared with him before. And that's all because of you. I've got to tell you, I mean, you just reinvigorated this whole, 
journey for me with this book. So I just want to, I want to thank you, offer my gratitude for that, honestly. Mm. Thank you, brother. Such beautiful and kindness. And I, I love what you just shared with me because that's the beautiful thing in life. Because everything we hold in this medicine bag is sacred items. Something that gives us power to overcome the illusions and the negativity of life. And I just love that you share that with your son because that's the tradition being passed on. How we overcome things, how we see things. And showing it to the little minds so they can be prepared for life. Because that's what we're here to prepare the little ones for, for to be strong in this illusion. Yeah. And, and I love that. Thank you for sharing that, brother. Oh. I just It touched my heart completely. I, I want to read the book again, honestly. I mean, I... I think it took me about six hours, you know, because I was really trying to read it consciously. But even since reading the book, I've added new things to the bag that I it made me look around my life. Right. I mean, the practice of just having I mean, and I know I know the book talks, I guess, more metaphorically about medicine bag. Right. But at the same time, the the very tangible practice of having a medicine bag, I don't want to say I've forgotten but I don't think I really, truly understood the value. You know, I mean, you're 25 years of moments in this bag, you know, like my child, all of my children's teeth are in this bag, you know. Uh, I re- I'll share one story with you, you know, and I'll, I don't want to, I guess I could probably share a lot, but I'm going to share one story with you that was so important to me and I, I didn't realize it. When I was a young boy, there was this hungry dog that was following me around, and I felt so sorry for this animal. And so I went inside this little convenience store to buy it some beef jerky. You know, I was going to go feed this dog. And when I went outside, I couldn't find it. And I, I saw, when I finally saw it, it had been hit by a car when I went in the store. You know, and as a young boy, I don't know what happened, but my heart just, I, I wept and wept and I stayed with this dog while it died, you know, and uh, that may seem simple to a lot of people, but for me, that was a powerful moment as a young child to sit with this animal as it died. And I had this awareness, even back then, I found a little piece of wood on the ground next to the animal and I wrote the date on that piece of wood and I, I didn't realize it, but I, I found that piece of wood. I had carried it around all these years, you know, and when I put it in my medicine bag and then sharing that with my son, I realized it's like, these are the moments, these little moments almost hidden between the big moments that we think like graduating school or getting a diploma or all these big things that we think are of high value to society even. But it was those little moments like that that were shaping and, and I guess, growing your heart. And I guess, I don't know, the medicine bag practice, I'm, I'm just thankful again. I'll stop there. <laughs> it's because I want people to talk no, to you. And I mean, but anyway, it was just meaningful for me in a very, very visible, visceral, visceral way. Uh, thank you for sharing that beautiful moment because it, it's the interaction of life, a gift and a gift. Like you receive the gift of your kindness, your kind heart, because it interacted with this beautiful soul that's about to let go. And you're an angel to this soul. You're an angel completely. You know, they've done studies about little animals, especially puppies. They feel safe when there's a human holding them. They feel safe to, you know, because they get scared. And to you to be with the puppy in the transcending and knowing that 
you also got something inside of your heart that moment because in reality, one day I woke up with this epiphany that I have in medicine back. This body that we carry, it's a puppy. Oh, wow. 100%. 100% a puppy. So in that moment, you were waking up for your service in life is to take care of the love of your life, your puppy. And yeah. it was sharing you how the kind heart you have and not of the machismo, the monotone that we have to pretend to be cold, to not cry. In that moment, we felt our tender heart. So we find the real magic that happened. So now we can totally see how our puppy communicates through us and it's totally loyal to us. And that's what my father said to me one day, when are you gonna be loyal to your puppy, to your body, to my son? And in that moment, when you were sharing that story and then you actually share it to your son and you still have that stick, you know, that's the beautiful thing about life because miracles do happen. In that moment, it was a beautiful miracle and it's not stopped there, brother. It's still continuing on. And that's the beautiful thing about life that many people forget. This is a miracle. That's why the medicine bag is very important in the tradition because it holds what we have sacred in our heart and it holds what we don't have sacred. Mm. Like the negativity that we have that is eating us alive, that's giving us heart cancer, that's eating it alive, that doesn't inspire us. So when we see that we have a corrupted heart, it's because we have a corrupt medicine bag, things that we don't have sacred, things that other people gave to us, maybe, you know, it's not for us. But the one that you realize it, a, a reflection in things of your own intent, boy, that lets you know how grateful we are to be alive. Yeah, that's one. You're really getting into some of the things about this book that I loved so much. I mean, what you just said there, you know, in a literal sense, I can look at my physical medic medicine bag that I can hold in my hand, but taking it further, as you just described, was very profound to look at my own heart as that medicine bag and my own life as a medicine bag and what have I put in there. You know, and, and you talked about something in the book that I really I had to take a hard look and I've got to really put this into action was looking at the things that I've been carrying around that I'm keeping inside the medicine bag of my life that no longer serve. You know, I guess the evolution of my life, right, or anyone's life, it's not a those are things that are almost making the bag heavy. Am I saying that right Absolutely correct, because we, we carry things around. Even unconsciously, we carry things around. Like, you know, I'm moving right now, so I'm packing my house up. And I'm noticing, why am I carrying still objects around of my past marriage of 20 years ago and objects that make me unhappy, but I'm still carrying them? And images and, and pictures and poems that I had when I was an addict in my teens, and yeah. I'm still holding on to that. And that creates negativity into my life, because every time... I read it, my body, my puppy remembers, and it's like a puppy who doesn't want to go to the bed or to get washed because, you know, it doesn't like that. It remembers. So the body also remembers. So I, I'm, I'm with you now. We're hearing because when we begin seeing, why am I carrying this? That is the awareness, you know? Yeah. That's the epiphany. Okay. Now I know what to do. Let it go. Yeah, and that's hard to do. I mean, but it's like a, it's like a looking at it through that lens of the medicine bag People will probably get sick of me saying the word medicine bag, but it was really a big revelation. I went, okay, I too have had, I was married many, many, many years ago and have children from that marriage. And I, I looked at my children's lives too. And I thought the negativity from that relationship still in their medicine bag of their, of their lives, you know, they're carrying some of those things too. Why am I still 
carrying that because it really does shackle me to another version of myself that almost doesn't really exist. It's a memory and I can look at it, look at him and he, I guess he's a, he's, he's almost like an ancestor. I mean, I know that seems crazy, but it's like my, I am my own ancestor in a way. Mm-hmm. You talked a lot about the yeah. ancestors in your book. I mean, I really appreciate a lot of that. The, the, uh, it was actually profound. I was happened to be reading that. I, I go to this local cemetery by my home to pray with the dead and, that that day, uh, when I was reading that chapter of your book, I happened to be out there, and the gravity of that that teaching you shared uh, was really profound. If you could talk about that, I, w- I think my listeners would love to hear hear some of that that wisdom. Yeah, one of my favorite celebrations in the tradition is the Day of the Dead. But many people do not know how to celebrate the Day of the Dead because, you know, right now it's like a well, a holiday that they sell objects and they take it away to the true media, but they forget the real point. Yes, it may be a point to remember our elders who have passed away. And yes, we put candles for them, but the Day of the Dead is really our ancestors who have passed away teaching us who are alive to not be dead in life. And I remember the last teaching that I got from my my first teaching after my stepmother passed away, when I was seeing her in her casket, she was, it was her wake. I grabbed her hand, but I know she wasn't there anymore. The body was stiff. Her soul had passed on. I was just seeing at the memory. So my mind had a memory, uh, 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 an interaction with her mind to mind. And my body had interaction with her body to body. It was a whole different being. But when got together, my body said goodbye to that part of her. But when I was holding her hand, it's like I see the voice of the day of the dead that I'm saying right now, sharing that they come and teach us how to live. So in that moment of awareness, in one of the difficult moments in my life, when my stepmother left this, this planet and we were saying goodbye to her, I heard her voice with respect and authority. She said, Jose, don't wait for you to be laying in this casket like I am right now. Don't wait for you to let go of anything that doesn't give you pleasure. They make you sacrifice. Everything that takes your inspiration away, don't be buried with it like I am right now here. I want you to master yourself and when live a beautiful life and don't carry that in your medicine bag anymore. Oh, because man. that is what you pray to. <laughs> I, I love that. That That's so pivotal, right? I mean, I wish for everyone to have that kind of experience, right? I mean, that's what a teaching or teachings like the kind you're presenting, that's the great value of them. It changes our almost uh, clock-like way of viewing the world and the way we viewed life and death. I mean, when, when, I, when we take the time, for me anyway, I can only speak from my own experience, but when I take the time to sink into teachings like these, it's like time changes, you know, I, I, especially about the ancestors, because then I can look back and I go, oh, my father, yes, he passed away. He, but even that word passed away, I don't even, I don't even know that I like saying it. I think I've, I've come to say it because everyone says it. It's almost like a, a social nicety that we just say, oh, he passed away and we move on. But I, I don't feel that way. I say it out of instinct, but the reality is, and I've said this to people privately, I just have a new relationship with my father. You know, he was here on, in a body 
and now he's not in a body. So now I have to learn since I have a body to have a new relationship with my father who no longer has a body. So that's for me, that's comforting and it's timeless. Right. I mean, but that's, that's something that I guess in, in the cult American culture, typically, I mean, I, and again, I can't speak for everybody, but it just seems like it's, you know, you're born, you die and we all just move on. And then we maybe celebrate the dead, you know, in a, uh, on the, on the, maybe their birthday or the day they died, or we talk about them, you know, but it's like, Almost like we're taught to get over grief quickly and get back to work, if that makes any sense. And I almost want to hug it a little bit more and stick that, stick it in my medicine bag, so to speak. Yes, it it comes a moment, you just said so beautifully, it comes a moment with awareness that, you know, our ancestors are okay. They transcended to the night because we don't die. That's what we believe in our, in our tradition. We don't die. We just energy that turns into another energy. And uh, the, the, the beautiful thing about this, my father was teaching to me when he had his heart attack, is that I will have a new relationship with you. There's a secondary character of me that lives inside your head, Jose. It's not the real me, but it's a part of me, and I live in many people's heads. So when you begin respecting that character inside of your head that is the reflection of me, that is not me, but it's the ripples of me that continue on. And this is how we begin having people eternally alive, because we remember them. That's what I love about the movie Coco, about the Day of the Dead. Uh-huh. You know, until you remember them, you honor them, they, their soul is keeping alive. So when we honor the people and their magic they have done, we can continue them feeling them in our dreams. Sometimes we dream with them so beautifully. And, you know, reality, sometimes it's like life. Sometimes we visit people that we know they're alive, but we, don't, we only see them in dreams. And we only see them in the characters. And that's a beautiful thing because everybody is entitled to live their dream and their life. The beautiful thing about this that you explained to me right now that I love too is the respect that you have for Father and to feel Him inside of you. You know, it will never leave us. It will never leave us. It is just the temptation of us not knowing how to let go and how we corrupt that, that we hurt ourselves with somebody's passing or death, that, you know, that becomes disrespectful. But we really want to respect our ancestors is that we continue getting the torch forward and not backwards because we don't want their work to be in vain. They went through all the difficult moments to let go of things in healing, and we don't need to go backwards. And you can see everybody who tried to go backwards, they're just living in a ghost town. And uh, uh. There, there's no inspiration in ghost town because there's no there's no life there. So Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. I am alive and follow me. It's because he's alive, because it is life and we are life. And how beautiful it is to have our ancestors inside of our minds and hearts and not punishing them to see us how we suffer, but seeing how we overcome suffering. And that's a celebration right there. Absolutely. God, that, I mean, I, I almost have to hold back, honestly, hold back tears listening to you because it connects in almost a beautiful way to the grief that I felt whenever I lost my father, because I probably... In a lot of ways, sons fail their fathers, and sometimes fathers fail their sons, you know. And I was, he's guilty, and I'm guilty. And, you know, I didn't want to hold on to that and put that in my medicine bag when he passed away. And I was given kind of a blessing when he passed away. I remember this specific night of, of dream where I was. I was in a building and he, I would see him and he would move around. Every time I would try to talk to him, I remember being so excited to see him. 
And I felt, oh, he's not dead. I remember thinking, oh, he's not dead. I was dreaming that he died, you know, but he's actually alive. And um, every time I would turn the corner, he would turn another corner, but it was, he was a little boy and then he was a teenager and then he was a man that I didn't know because I didn't know him at that age. And he, he moved all, all through the phases of his life. And I, I woke up and I was like, wow, in each one of those, he was healthy. His skin looked good. He didn't look withered and weary. Even though he moved through the phases of his life, he was uh, – my father's face was really scarred from Agent Orange uh, exposure in Vietnam. And I remember specifically thinking, wow, his skin is beautiful, like it's glowing. And it was like he was all healed. But I think I, I took away from that that – just as you said, I guess I couldn't have said it any better. I mean, it was like he he lives inside of my mind and heart, and that is an, another version of him, a healthier, happier version of him, and that's very real. Mm -hmm. It's not some just imagination exercise. It felt it's, it's very real. It's as real as this table I'm, I'm sitting in front of. You know, <laughs> yes, and, and it's true because you have inside of him his true nature. Nothing to do with the negative illusion, but it's true happy illusion that he loved to be just sharing. And to, when we see people that we love and we hold dear happy, that's the biggest beautiful dream. It's like our parents' uh, heaven is to see their children, ours, happy, in love with life because they, that's the gift they give to us, life. And, and my father always said, you know, even if I'm not here, it's my responsibility to make you shine because I brought you to this world. And even if I'm not here, you will have a reflection of me inside of you that it will reflect to you clean consciousness that you will know when you're not being authentic and true to you. And you will hold me as an image of respect. And I tell you, when I was 16, brother, my father gave me this birthday present and I was in bad steps back then, you know, getting into trouble. So he gave me this birthday present and it was a picture of him. So serious. <laughs> Why do you give me this, Father? And he goes, when you do something negative in school or in the neighborhood, I don't have to wait for your mom to call me. You will look at this picture and you'll know exactly what you did. <laughs> Without words, I tell you, brother, it worked. I did so many things. I look at that picture, but later when he was in coma and I look at that picture, I said, oh, my God, the gift that he gave to me back then. It was just a little thing I couldn't see, but over the years, like we're talking about, over the years we see the gift that he gave us. And that moment he gave to me clean consciousness to not lie to myself, to respect myself and to respect him. Because I always used to say to him, what should I do, Father? What should I do? And he goes, aren't you tired of asking me what to do? I go, no. <laughs> Why? Because I'm tired of telling you what to do because you don't do. The moment that you begin doing is because you truly respect yourself and you respect me as well. And there will be no excuses anymore why your life is not in heaven because you made the decision. And, you know, we can go through the most difficult moments. We can be in pain like I am right now because he was living with a 16% of his heart capacity. I'm in pain, but this pain will not stop me from enjoying my life. And, you know, when he said those things, and now that I'm leaving them, if I go into a bump of life, if I get heartbreak or I get into, you know, irritation or something like that, I focus on that. And that is the medicine back tools and gift that I can see the tools so they can make me remember my intent. And yeah. I go back to the first. That's, that's, that's so beautiful. I mean, it, it just makes me think about as I'm listening to you, I, and it's almost like, I guess, a little tint of uh, maybe sadness and regret because I don't come from 
I'll say it like this, you know, I'm lo- I'm listening to you and I read your work and I go, you know, what a beautiful way to connect to your family and the traditions of where you come from to be able to now be an instrument of transmission for those teachings, right? And you're sharing them with the world and to people like me who you don't know who are, you know, sitting here pausing and weeping and having these revelations as we dive into your work. What a great gift that is to come from a tradition and to come from, uh, I guess, a place of sacred teachings and to have family that shares that. See, I don't come from a place like that. You know, I don't come from that kind of history. And I've tried to scratch the paint off of my own life and look deeper. But as I do, I only find just the barest fragments of ancestors who had any kind of a spiritual practice. It just wasn't shared with us. We just did not grow up that way. So it's in a way, it almost made me feel like as a young man, especially when I would, I had my, I guess, initial awakening moment, I felt excited, but lost because I had to look around the world and try to answer these questions and go, what's happening right now? And what tradition has the answer? And so instead, all I did was just look around for 20 years and you know, pick here and pull there and add to here and there from all these different religions and cultures, I guess, I guess appropriating them into my life. And I think, I think about that and I go, boy, what, what it must feel like to actually have that, to harness a tradition like you do. It, It just seems so beautiful to be able to look back and see where you come from and then to look and go, oh, I've, you know, I can share this now. You know, I'm a part of that lineage, I guess. I don't know. That's just a beautiful thing. No, I, I'm hearing you speak, brother, and, and I love your heart because we work for the same boss, brother. There is no separation. Mm. Both of us didn't pick where to be born. We didn't pick what sex to be or what race to be. We were just born into life doing our best. Mm. And life has trained us. You know, like I got trained in the jungle, but not in the jungle that is nature. I got trained in the concrete jungle because I was a junkie. Ah. My my father was a doctor. His mother was a curandera, faith healer. His father was a soldier, musician, and his father was an undertaker. So we all don't pick where we're born. We just do our best. And the thing is that we all have suffering in life. And suffering is the addiction of this world. So it begins to train us until we find ourselves. So I know I was born to be a junkie because that's what it was. But, you know, at the same time, I see the illusion and I don't believe in separation. Just because I came from a family, I lost myself. I was, an, I was a junkie, so I can say that I'm a shaman uh, because someone gave me the title or a Nagual or a Swami. It's just titles. The reality that I'm just another kid who was a drug addict that lost myself, that needed story. That it's just about storytelling, brother. Everything is a story. And the beautiful thing is that when we find our tribe, it's because we find our humanity. And all humanity has tried. That's why the work of the four agreements have been translated in more than 40 different languages different religions, different ways of life, but it touches our integrity to our human race, to what we really are, to the little boy who saw a beautiful puppy transcending and hold a stick and with that stick made an intent. And actually, when we, in our tradition, we make hold a stick is because we carry a dead piece of wood as a symbology that even we learn from the dead and take it forward to create magic. Uh-huh. And this is a beautiful dream of our flute. They get a piece of dead wood and make it into a flute so it can create a sound. And the sound, it is just a resonance of what we have gone through. So the underworld is real. The darkness is real. 
And this is who have trained us until we know that the whole world has been sleeping. That's why I love when my father in his book, The Four Agreements, mentions, imagine being the only sober person in a room full that everybody's completely drunk and is drunk with addiction of suffering. And when you find your heart, you know that you belong to the tribe. And sooner or later, brother, we find each other. <laughs> like right now, we're connected. <laughs> we work with the same boss. Man, I love and that. And it's a thing about Mercury. The Mercury is a metal that when it finds each other, it just becomes one. And it's very interesting that not long ago, they found Mercury under the Pyramid of the Sun, which is the <sighs> sacred pyramid of, of the Toltec. Really? It's interesting. So that, that is interesting. <laughs> I didn't. I never thought about it. I never even considered that but that's such a beautiful thing and i'm happy i know it i'm helpless to sorry for interrupting the conversation but i have something i need to tell you about you may or may not know this but this podcast is produced in the city of sulfur louisiana one of the sister cities that make up southwest louisiana all of my childhood memories are wrapped up in the city of sulfur it's my home and it's been a good home for most of my life there is a growing diversity of unique businesses, services, and events in Sulphur, each with a rich and colorful story to tell about their particular place in this little jewel on the west side of the Calcasieu River. My mission is to promote good news, to put a positive signal out in the world. That's why my team at Parker Brand Creative Services has created the new brand, Sulphur Today. Here's how it works. Post your Sulphur event, service, photos, videos, or information using the hashtag SulfurToday. That's it. My team and I will scan and curate those posts through the social media platforms we've put in place. Before you make your post, just type hashtag, that's a pound sign for the folks that don't know what a hashtag is, and the words Sulfur Today with no space. My team at Parker Brand is monitoring this tag right now, and they're ready to create positive digital curb appeal for our city by sharing all the very best Sulfur has to offer through the Sulfur Today social media pages. As the Sulfur Today project grows, we will be scheduling interviews and video sessions with businesses, events, and services so they can tell their story of Sulfur Today in a series of ongoing micro-documentaries. Look for the eye-catching Sulfur Today sign when you're out and about. And be ready, we may be stopping by to visit you for a photo op. And don't forget to stop by the Parker Brand Creative Services Studio in Sulfur to grab a Sulfur Today decal for your vehicle or business. We want people visiting our area to know that they can find all the wonderful things we have to offer with ease and be a part of our history by utilizing the Sulfur Today pages or by searching the Sulfur Today hashtag. Do you want to help us tell the story of Sulphur today? Here's what I need you to do right now. Visit and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash sulphur today. And be sure to share positive sulphur information and post often using the hashtag sulphur today. Now, back to find the good news. I've always wanted to believe, I guess, in a... In, in a a universal way, but I guess the world is almost structured. And I say the world, the world that uh, we live in and day to day, this world of pulling and hauling and survival, you know, I guess really just clashing over resources is what it feels like sometimes just keeping the lights on and getting food for your family and trying to carve out a little niche. And then that just doesn't feel like reality for me anymore. You know, I know it's a part of this world in a tangible way, 
But on some level, there's always been, I say always, in the last 25 years is this growing sense of oneness that sort of crashes through all of that. It's exactly as you just described. I mean, we all work for the same boss. It's so easy, though, to forget that, right? That there's all these little divisions, um, little labels and little titles and all this stuff that just keeps us all separate. I actually kind of make me think of you the other day. I was I was in the midst of reading this book and I um I watched a video of someone who stopped and baptized somebody. And this guy was like, oh, you know, this person needed it. It wasn't even that they were wanting to become a Christian necessarily. He just you could tell he was like, you need a baptism. And it was the whole uh power of him scooping the water up out of this fountain and pouring it over this person's head and the person just started weeping and it was as if they wanted to let go of something they were holding on to this pain and it was like he was washing it away and i I mean i wept as i watched it because i was going this is truth right here what i'm watching this guy just used what was right in front of him and poured his heart out into it and through that action this person's having this cleansing, you know, and then I, I have, and of course I, it's a, the internet, you know, and somebody, there's the little comments and somebody said, are you a licensed minister? You shouldn't be doing that if you're not. And I, that almost made me weep even more. Cause I thought that's what we've got to get past in this world is certificates, you know, and rubber stamp spirituality, because the guy doing the action was actually engaged in spirit. But but we've created, I guess, a sense that spirituality must be packaged. And um, it's a series of, I don't know, uh, approvals, paper approvals. And I don't know that that's going to heal the world. Yes, because it's a corruption spirituality when you use spirituality as a mask. Like when you, instead of reading a book, you read a book, instead of changing oneself, they begin to change other people because they don't want to change themselves. And I love the story you mentioned because I also get, you know, people putting um, ill intent, you know, people are mad, you know, even in the tradition, you use spirituality to put people down. And, and, you know, it will never go like this because one thing about spirituality that I know is for people who don't want to suffer anymore. Yeah. People who wake up when you truly want to not suffer anymore, doesn't matter. You become totally open to, to see yourself in the mirror. And someone who wants validation, it wants just a pretty face, just whatever it is, and it's perfect. And we call those the happy spiritualists. They don't want to work on themselves. They just want to wear a mask. Mm. But I love the story about the Baptist. When I remind me of a story that my grandmother taught me before she passed away. She used to be a great storyteller and teach me through stories. And that's how my family works. Because instead of putting the finger, we listened to the story. And she was telling me the story of John the Baptist, how he was a very beautiful soul and giving blessings to everybody. His faith was what opened people's heart because he had faith in nature and he got the water and, you know, he blessed everybody. So there was a big line. And she even said that he's one of Jesus' main teachers. John the Baptist was the one who carried the whole transformation to for Jesus to deliver the word. Well, anyways, my grandma said, before John the Baptist got arrested, before he got arrested and murdered, he said that he went to the to the water, to the to the river, where he used to baptize hundreds of people. And there was this full moon. And he went inside, just like if he knew something was going to happen. He went to nature, he got inside the water, and he looked at the moon. 
And when he looked at the moon's reflection, when he looked down, he saw his own reflection. He said, oh, my God, I've been baptizing people all my life. But the power it is when you really baptize yourself, mm. when you really need to clean yourself up and you don't depend on anybody because you, was, you don't want to be forgiven just to be forgiven. You want to forgive and take action and be responsible. So in that moment, he took the water and baptized himself. Wow. In that moment, the light shined, and the next day he was ready to go home and said, my grandmother in life, my son, it's all about baptizing yourself. It's about awakening and doing some cleansing. And you not only do it once, you do it every day. Every time you're in the shower, son, I want you to bathe that body just like the Hindu masters bathe those statues that are sacred to them. Because many people do not understand how sacred our body it is. Because our body is the body of Mother. And John the Baptist knew this. That every body was a temple. And, you know, they treat it horribly. But the moment that you wake up, you know, it's nobody's business how you become aware and what you do to keep yourself aware. It's no one's business. Because people will come judging you. You cannot use John the Baptist this way. You cannot use the dream catcher this way. And I tell you, I've been judged in all many faces. You know, I'm vegan, so I was judged before I was a vegan and when I wasn't a vegan. You know, I am judged how I present, I'm judged what I present, and then I said something very interesting. If I don't judge myself, nobody else can judge me. Because what I see is many people judging themselves like a bucket of crabs. But I said, if I can use my imagination, I don't have to crawl out of this bucket. I will just use my wings and I'll fly out. So I become that crab that is feathered like the serpent is. <laughs> oh, that's such good advice. And I hope people listening are listening to that because there's got to be somebody out there like me who that connects with. I was, I've had many conversations like this on the show and I guess ultimately it's because I'm trying to seek a way out. And the way I've described it is like a thin membrane. It's almost like there's two people. There's, this gravity that pulls me forward and to to live in a way that you just described daily baptizing myself and shedding old skin and sharing that with people and then there's another version just on the other side of this milky membrane that's still got you know khaki pants and a belt on and stamping the stamping the papers and trying to do all that stuff but yet the gravity of that other side wants me to just push my hands through and that other me is afraid of the disapproval of the world. Uh, what will they say? Who's going to judge me? And I realized by listening to you that I'm actually just judging myself. And if I could stop judging myself, I could let that go and maybe pierce that membrane, right? I mean, that's what I want to do. But it's honestly just fear. And honestly, you say that in the book, it's like an addiction to suffering because I know if I stay in that space, I will continue suffering just builds up in there. It's almost like a humidity bubble. I'm just going to keep breathing in this thick air and I want to breathe. I want to let go of that. I don't want to be addicted to suffering and draw suffering to myself. Your book is full of that message. To be honest with you, that was one of the things I noticed about it. I was like, boy, you kept going back to that point because that really ultimately was a huge part of the message, right? Is to free free ourselves from the addiction to suffering. Yes, and 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 that's the basic of all the traditions and truths. There is that was addicted to suffering. So when we begin having awareness of this, it's the only truth that we can know that we can do something in our part that will identify this to you know to overcome it. 
And the moment that we have our own ally, the moment that we are our own ally and we see our own dream, not from a personal point of view, probably personal point of view, we can learn to let go and it hurts. It's something attached, but like one of my favorite singers called Enrique Bumbori, he said, you want to change, but nothing to happen. <laughs> when you make change, everything happens. But the most beautiful thing when you make a change for yourself, all the people that you used to use to hurt yourself, to judge yourself with, they move away mm. because you're not using them to hurt yourself any longer. It is just like a, in, in a romantic situation. Many people get together and they're, you know, they're, they're in with each other. You know, the moment, but it's not the other person, it's with each other. Like when a musician plays an instrument, it's playing the instrument. When, you know, when we begin feeling the spirituality in ourselves, it's because we find a message and everything that we walk in life, all the hard moments, they were supposed to happen because that got us aware that it's time to take action. And when we take action, we taste our strength. We taste our will and we say, we can do it. And I remember the power of domestication being taught to me. And then my father and me were sitting in the couch. And I had three puppies at the time. And the two puppies, they gave birth to one puppy. And so one puppy never knew the cage, but the other two puppies do. So the other two puppies were domesticated. Mm. The moment that puppy was put in the cage, he wanted to come to us. To me, my dad, so what did the puppy do? He broke down the cage. <laughs> and he came to us, you know, with cuddling, gave us lick. But the other ones who were domesticated, they were afraid to pass through the gate. And my dad said, you see, they're domesticated. They're mm. afraid to cross the lake. Is, is this unfamiliar, Jose? And he was t showing me how I am domesticated with my own fears that I don't pass through my own fears. And it was the moment that you pass through your own fear, you can go with the people that you love. And join them. Join me. And there's many people who are waiting to be joined to celebrate life. And we don't need to manipulate to be victim to be accepted. And many people find manipulating people lying or being victims as the way that they can find love, but it's not. You know. Yeah, and no, I hear you. Find that, it opens up. Yeah, I love what you're saying about it being like a gate. I mean, it is that. It's like a threshold. And I don't know what it is about it. Like, what's the big, what's the holdup in my mind? That's the simplest way I can say it is I get to the gate and I go, okay, I can walk through that gate privately. I Maybe I can walk through that gate with some people in my family, but I don't want to just do it that way. I want to walk through that gate and and spend my time that way with everybody I meet. Because that's, because if I don't offer that to everybody I meet, then I'm not healing the world. I mean, it's just like the story about that, that dog that I sat with. I want to sit with those, with people the same way I sat with that dog. I want to sit with them in their suffering and breathe the same air that they're breathing and be with them. If I don't allow myself to be that person, again, I'm on one side of the gate and I'm only putting one leg over just with the people I'm safe with or that I know, know that I want to be there. Yeah, that's something I've I've got. Your book has that lesson and talking to you today. What a wonderful lesson. That's going to be a huge takeaway for me to, to not be a domesticated puppy in a cage. You know, I want to come out of the cage and play. <laughs> the, the beautiful thing about realizing all of this information is that we get to redomesticate ourselves. We get to get rid of the reward and punishment that they made us what we are now. 
But now we know what we love. So we will get reward every time. We will not get punished anymore because we tasted both until said, okay, I don't need no one domesticating me anymore. I'm learning that domestication, but I'm domesticating myself once again to things that I love. Like right now, many people, when I was bringing in my, my spiritual practice, said, you cannot play anymore rock and roll. And I did it for five, four years. I didn't play any rock and roll. Really? But then I said, you know, I need to be attached to things that I don't love. I need to attach things that can give me pleasure. So I begin picking up that guitar again. And I tell you, brother, all the inspiration that came through me because I loved it. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing. When you love something, you don't have to sacrifice it in the name of God or in the name of love. Because that's fear. And when we go beyond fear, we cannot be domesticated anymore. I love because that. Because we see what Father says. We're the only sober person when the room is completely drunk with their addiction of suffering. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't express yourself this way. And the judgment grows. Oh, my God, they think of me. But, you know, brother, when I said, you know, I'm just going to be my dream, the people who really support me, they're there. And the people who didn't, they walked away. But I am reborn. Interesting. It reminds me, I'm glad we're talking because it's almost uh, an alignment for me. Recently, me and my son started doing these medicine wheel animal totem, uh, like oracle type cards, right? And so, you know, we would have a little ritual where we would, you know, sage the cards and blow tobacco over them and ring bells and, and, you know, holy water and things like that, just to make the space sacred. And sometimes when, when an animal would come up, I would go, now that's an odd animal. You don't think of that as a sacred symbol, but the one that really stood out for me personally, and I've been thinking about a lot was the skunk. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in reading about the skunk, it said, you know, typically you would think of a skunk and you go, oh, it has a terrible odor. But to other skunks, that is not a terrible odor. That is an odor of attraction. And it said, if you're drawing the skunk totem, it's possible that what that means is you're going to you really need to let yourself be who you are and attract the people that are going to be attracted to your musk and the ones that are not and consider that a bad thing, they'll fall away from your life and it's going to shape your life in a better way. And I was like, man, I never would have considered that. And it aligns perfectly with this message that you just gave me. And in the story you just said, you know, that don't I don't need to think of things as, oh, you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that because that's not acceptable by by someone else's standard. Allow yourself to be I need to allow myself to be the skunk <laughs> I'm going to be right <laughs> Yes, it's a beautiful thing. You know, we can make excuses why we get out that scent of us. Or we can just say, hey, I'm a skunk and say it once. (laughs) Accept me or leave me the way I am. I'm a skunk. (laughs) And that's it. Yeah. And, you know, I I say to the people I love, I'm like this. I will always be like this. I cannot change because the moment I begin changing is that I'm not me anymore. I give Mm. my power away. And there's a lot of people who want us to give our power away. And they don't even realize we're doing that. And I'm happy. I know it. I'm I hate to pause the program, but I want to ask you something. Did you know that you can help me and my team at Parker Brand Creative Services grow the Find the Good News signal? For less than a fancy cup of coffee, you can become an Early Risers Club patron on our Patreon page. What's Patreon? Well... 
It's a way for creators to fund their projects by pooling support from those really passionate people that believe in what they're doing. Do you believe in what we're doing with Find the Good News? I hope you do. We believe that there's already enough negative news in the world, even right here at home, and that good people doing good works deserve a platform to speak from too. That's why we created Find the Good News, and we believe in that simple mission. Maybe you believe in it too. If you do believe in finding and sharing good news, then head over to our Patreon page right now or check out the link in the show description. For a commitment of $3.33 a month, you can join the Early Risers Club of Find the Good News Patreon supporters and get access to the B-Sides, a patrons-only podcast with the crew behind Find the Good News, Parker Brand Creative Services. Each time we level up, the Patreon rewards will get bigger. If you're tired of old news, bad news, and fake news, help support Find the Good News at patreon.com slash findthegoodnews. That's patreon.com slash findthegoodnews. Now, back to the episode. For me, there were a lot of alignments, first of all, where you, where I, I guess there was like this awareness. I go, oh, I know what he's talking about, even though maybe I hadn't practiced that specifically the way that you outlined it. I could relate it to something that I had been doing, like even having sacred spots where I would go, oh, I can feel um, that there – well, even like a piece of property. There's a piece of property in my family. And I've always said for, for years to people who know me, I said, there's something wrong here. Like there's something wrong about this spot. There's bad things happen. It feels bad. And so as we started doing some research, you come to find out, you know, throughout the history of my family, a lot of terrible things had happened there generationally. And it was almost like they were continuing to happen generationally, even to this day. And so you kind of talk a little bit about some of those things, you know, spaces and almost like vortexes to some degree, the energy of a place or making a space that's sacred. And uh, I connected with a lot of that when I was reading the book and, and you, you outline a lot of practices in the book as well that I thought, man, these are, these are wonderful things for people who, especially that maybe have never even tried to get into that space. It's a wonderful place for them to start, especially some of the nature, uh, the nature rituals that you outline. I love the one I, I'd never thought of these things. I thought, wow, this is wonderful things I want to do. Like the, the water and the moon and drinking the water. Beautiful, you know, to tie you into space and place and time and the cycles. I just threw a lot at you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it's, it's so beautiful because that's inspiration right there. You, you tap into nature and that's what it does to you. It's that's moving you. And sometimes you go into some nature, you just touch it and you move around. Like some of my friends said, you know, the place of Dona, many people, they're not supposed to be living there because it's a sacred energy from the ancestors that, you know, there's a trapped energy. And, and I lived in sometimes, and I, I lived in a place in Alpine like a few years back. And this energy in that house where you were describing about the energy, I didn't realize, but there were no plants growing. You know, there was a lot of, sickness and stuff copying like that and then i realized later my neighbors told me that that half of the house property has been built in a burial an indian burial ground ah and 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 okay so i said okay we can cleanse the energy but i was there after my 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 divorce so for me it was 
something that I went to be with nature. There was like 20 acres, not a lot of neighbors. It was in the boonies. Mm -hmm. but, but anyways, uh, my father came to take care of the land once when I was on tour. He stayed there for like three days and he had a dream the last night. He had a dream that there was a lot of people in motorcycles outside the inside out in the property. He goes, this is strange, you know, they're trespassing. I'm going to go nicely tell them you're in private property, please move on. So he went and do that. And when he came back to the house after he did that, they have multiplied four times. So I said, oh, my God. So then, then also he called the police in the phone to say we have trespassers. So they multiply again. So now they're knocking on the door there inside the house. And he goes, you know, this dream doesn't want to be changed. This dream just because of words that we have to go on. Uh. So he woke up. He woke up himself. He said, okay, it's time to leave this property. So he told to, my, to me, son, I had this dream. And, you know, you come to this point in your life where you have to see yourself. But you cannot stay here. You came after a hard time in your life. You go through a divorce or separation. You're getting yourself strong, but you cannot stay here. You have to go back to life. Mm. And that's what that nature did to me because there's some land out there that just prepares us to darkness, but then spit us back out. And this is the beautiful thing about the ceremonies of, of, of the underworld. I didn't put this in the book, but the ceremony of the underworld, it is that, you know, when we have our happy heart, we open, we have the epiphany. But what happens again? Life happens. Then we feel unhappy again, we feel depressed again. What happens at the moment? We return to the underworld. But we return to the underworld not blind, not not as a new person. Uh. We go with the memory, with the awareness that that is an underworld. And what happens after we leave it? We come back to the light with more tools. So Divine Mother or Divine Father has made us strong enough, some of us, that we can go again into darkness and out of darkness, into darkness. But every time we come into darkness, we know how to get out. So we get new tools. And we get, what I'm going to do with these tools? One year later, somebody asking for water, asking for tools, is exactly wanting what we were collecting five underworlds that go. Man, I love that. I love that so much. I mean, that, is, that the visual I'm getting is like one of these water wheels that you see where it like goes down in the water and it goes under and it's all dark. And when it comes up, it's got that water and it brings it up. That is so accurate to the way life goes, right? I mean, I can think about the times where I've been a victim of not being aware. And so, yeah, I look back and I go, man, I was just going through these cycles of suffering and just being a victim. You know, I'd go down, I'd suffer, I'd come out, and I don't have any, I was no awareness that I need to make a change. And you keep making that circle. But yeah, exactly as you said, it's like at one point when you finally get a little spark, you can go, okay. I recognize I'm in the underworld now. What can I learn that I can bring out? And every, yeah, man, that's that's profound right there. How can I use that for not not only to heal myself, but the world and the people around me when I encounter other beings? Can I have that that time in the underworld? Can I bring it out and share it with them? Maybe to connect with them. That's beautiful, man. I I love that, brother. Love it. And this is what is happening right now, brother. With everyone who has come to the underworld and come up has the medicine to heal what's happening right now in the world. The world's going through a transformation. And some are not seeing it, and some are seeing it. And the thing is to keep our cool. Keep our, you know, discipline to bring in the medicine that the world needs. And the people who need it are going to come out. And what we're doing, doing ourselves, we're preparing uh, the new leaders in the world because everybody who's seeing this, they're probably like 10 years old seeing this dream. What's happening right now? Mm -hmm. They're seeing how insane we are, 
but it's the end of insanity because it's in this last leg. It's like a freight snake that's coming out. It's coming out to the light, but it's going to go out because now it is in the presence of Divine Mother's children. And all we have to do as an adults is just stick with our plan, stick with our sacred heart and show them the way. And they will know what to do from there because it's coming. The transformation is happening. Yeah, we're and in the so midst of it, because, right? Mm -hmm. And what happened if we didn't go through the underworld? You know, all the dark times needed to happen. The dark ages needed to happen to appreciate life, especially in the Inquisition. Imagine all the lies in theory to hunt witches and making deal with the devil that they were actually doing corruption into spirituality, into taking people's land, accusing them of witches. It's happening still because it's the fake greed. And that's what I love about Jesus saying, my kingdom is not of your kingdom when he got crucified. Our kingdom is our heaven on earth. It's not the dream of the planet's world, the world that you and me got born into, the world that everybody got born into. It was already a dream of the planet of addiction of suffering based because they corrupted the word. Now when we uncorrupt the word, it's the first agreement to be impeccable with the word because if we created our story with the foundation of lies, those words of lies will corrupt and will be a house of corruption. But the moment that we tear down that house, we tear down that temple and we build it in however long it takes us, we find our will and we have tasted negativity and positivity. Now we have the intent to make that dream grow of positivity. And that's what we're offering in the world. In one point, like we were saying about the power object of the medicine bag or a temple, that is a projection of the real temple and the real medicine bag. The real medicine bag is our heart and the real temple is our body. So we place the heart of the medicine back in the temple and make the place sacred. And I tell you, every human who made a religion or a mystery school, he came up with this foundation to end the addiction of suffering, but corruption was behind it. That's why honesty will always shake the lies out. I that that that's absolutely beautiful. That's a that's actually the kind of message that if we adopt it, it will heal the world. All, all I can think about as I'm listening to you talk about that is how important it is for anybody, me, you, anybody who's listening to this, to look around them and and not only heal themselves, but affect the people that are around them that they can. Like I have children and I think I have to help them they're going to go through their own, let me say it like this, they're going to go through their own underworlds, right? But the world itself collectively is in that 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 transition state. My job, I feel like right now, an important part of it is to show them the importance of being aware, right? Just saying, hey, you need right now, don't just float along. Look at what's happening. Let this, put this moment in your medicine bag. Put these times in your medicine bag because 10 years from now, it, you will be the generation. You will be the shaman, right? I mean, you're the, and that, that's, I see that in you. I mean, and in, in, in the, the stories you tell of your father and then your ancestors. And I go, look at you, you're the shaman. I mean, and I'm sure there was a time in your life where you were like, what? I'm not a shaman. I'm not going to affect anybody. That's not for me, right? You were living your own life. You're caught in your own suffering, as you've, as you've said. And then look, now you are that person. And now you're sharing that and passing it on. That to me is the highest value. I, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. I do. It inspires and, me. And, yes. Thank you, brother. And one thing that I found out in life is that I've been carrying a magic feather all the time. The moment somebody called me a shaman or a nagual or a swami, 
It's because they gave me a magic feather, just like Dumbo. Ah. What happened when Dumbo lost his magic feather? He felt like he couldn't do anything until the consciousness, the little mouse, tell him it was just a trick by those crows, the shamans. They give you a title so you can believe in yourself, but you, it was never about the feather. It's always about you. Mm. So when you know that you're the magic and you wake up, you know that you're the messenger. Now the question it is, what kind of messenger are we? What's the mm. message that we give to ourselves and to the people that we love with all our heart? If we like the message, we continue. But if we don't like it, we can change it. Why? Because we can. Because it's our life. It's our decision. And we make choice. We have to walk on fire. And what happens when we walk on fire? If we stop, we burn. So the thing is to not get burned and continue walking. Or like when we encounter Medusa, the Greek mythology, if they turn around and see Medusa, they turn into stones. Mm. The thing yeah. is that they have to close their eyes and have faith in themselves because Medusa wasn't outside. Medusa was always within. They cut the head of their own head <sighs> of that snake. And when you get all those snakes, all those judges judging you, you get out of it because there were always you. Never would have thought about that. Yeah. That's, that's a, it's a lesson in that I never would have considered. Yeah. And when we wake up, that's it. We got awareness. Now we know what to do. But if we don't, want, but if, but if we don't do the negativity or the garden full of weeds that take the life force of every other plant in the garden will grow and grow and grow more. Once you get the awareness, you know what to do? Do. That's beautiful. Because really, I mean, it, I, I'm just... In my imagination, as you say that, I, I imagine all these negative voices and all these these voices that say, "Oh, you shouldn't. Oh, you can't. No one, no one wants you to be that. Don't do that. Just stay normal. Stay, stay with the flow of society. Do, do what everybody else is doing. They're like little hisses on the top of my own head, you know, just hissing and saying and whispering. It's like all those little little serpents." They're all on my own head and they, they turn me to stone, right? They turn all of us to stone. I never, I never would have, I never would have thought of that. That's a very powerful image to hold in my mind. I'm going to, I'm going to remember that. Yes. And then when we turn to stone, it's because we forget to breathe and we forget to breathe because our body is feeling anxiety. The moment is to get out of the story and continue to breathe and don't, don't don't neglect the body of what it's naturally in. There's fresh air. And when we take a fresh air, we attach, we hold it on. When we're ready to let go, we let it go. But if we attach to one fresh air and don't let go, we will suffocate. You always have to keep on moving, keeping fresh air. And air is just like dreams. They're just stories. They're just moments of life. And when we begin really knowing how to breathe, we know how to do art because art the colors of the canvas, it is our experiences and memories. The canvas is our life. Everything that we apply, and that's where we live. We throw ourselves into the painting. That's why imagination is the key of any vision quest. And my friend said, I cannot ever, ever have vision quest. And I go, do you ever daydream all the time? Well, that's vision quest without the fancy titles. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's interesting. One of my other guests, he had a debilitating illness and he was bedridden, you know, and there was really no hope that he was ever going to get out of that bed again. And he had a revelation when he was laying in that bed. He said, 
you know, I realized that I, I was just laying here anyway, very angry, very bitter, you know, about life and what life had handed him. And he started imagining that he wanted to go to the mountains with his family and walk in the mountains with his family. And so he would imagine that, lay in bed and imagine walking and hiking in the mountains with his family. And then he had the second thought was, well, what would have to happen for this to be a reality? And so at that moment, he realized, well, then this disease would have to leave. I would have to, it would have to go away. That's the only way I'll ever be able to do that. So he would just lay there until that imagination became reality in his mind. And then one day, and I mean, I know him, he's a personal friend and this is absolutely true. He got up and walked out of that bed and walked to the kitchen and his, his illness is gone to still to this day. He healed from that power of that. And I mean, a hundred percent believer, you know, and I, you can't discredit the power of what happened. I mean, he, nobody can. I mean, it's, it, it's the way it happened. There was no, no medicine, you know, no science. It was just the power of his true belief that he was going to stand up and walk and be healed. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that because self-faith makes intense strong. Intense strong equates the will to overcome any painful situation, the poor me, or I cannot do it. No, you start believing in you. And the power of intent has created so much magic. And here's imagining with saying this, Adrix, share this with us. That's the power of intent. Our storyteller is so powerful that if we become a storyteller, oh, my heart will always get broken. Well, guess what? You're powerful enough that you manifest that. If you want to heal, your power is so powerful enough that you can heal yourself. That's why I remember the words of my, my stepmother when she said to me, Jose, everyone has the power of intent, but everybody has to be careful what their intending is. Mm. Because if we intend sickness for us, we will have sickness for us. But we want healing for us, we will heal just like your friend. And it's a powerful power of belief. And I, and I 100% believe in the power of will because when they got my father, uh, his heart transplant, he lived eight years with his 16% of his heart capacity. Wow. So they gave him one year of life. And uh, and after the eight years, I did a transplant. They wanted to study the heart, see how it survived. He goes, it's not about that, doctor. Don't waste your time. It's about the will. When you have strong will, a broken body is not going to stop you because the whole body is function is to survive. And then when we find the body function to survive, we can become it's a lie. And then we totally know, like Mr. Tolle and another gentleman says, you know, in this life, we're about surviving. Like the spiders and the mosquitoes and the lizards and the eagles and the pumas and all are a chain. They're just surviving. So we humans are the top of the chain. And funny enough, there's no predator above us that we became our own predators. We become our own parasites wow. because, you know, we really believe in ourselves. But the moment that we believe in us is because we found that intent. We found that intent of the infinite, that everything is powerful and everything is magical. So how are we going to treat Divine Mother, Mother Earth now that we have this awareness? Are we going to continue hurting her? Because what we do to our body is uh, what's happening in the outside, you know, like we're hurting the planet right now. Now we are on Divine Mother Earth's target. Humans are hurting me. We ah, is yeah. creating all these things to get rid of us. <laughs> because we're the parasites. So my partner, Tammy Homage, she said something beautifully. Jose, we're like bacteria. Because I just discovered in that time kombuchas. 
Ah. So, so she said, this is a good bacteria, and you can decide in the life what you want to be, a bad bacteria or a good bacteria to the earth. And this is what it means when we children of the sun, we wake up to serve our mother, just like the bees and the ants do. We're here to protect our queen, beginning with ourselves and continuing with our brothers and sisters and the planet. I and when we, yeah, when we get consciousness, brother, we cannot go against ourselves. And that's what the Egyptians say. In order to enter heaven, your heart must be light as a feather. If your heart is not light as a feather, you may never be in heaven. And they were never talking about the heart, they were talking about the consciousness. Because if your consciousness is heavy, your heart will feel heavy. Pressure will happen. But the moment that you are fluent, you go through the situations that are hard, but you confront them with respect, you will always have that heart as a feather guiding you in this life because it will always remind you that you're dreaming. And if you don't like your dream, you can change it. That is absolutely beautiful and poetic and profound. Uh, I will carry that with me. In fact, the next time I find a feather, I'm going to put that in my medicine bag and I'm going to remember this conversation because I, in fact, you know, I was thinking about this as we were talking on some level, I was like, you know, this conversation is uh, life changing for me. The book was profound, but just being able to talk to you about these things and to navigate this in sort of a flowing way is really a blessing for me. It really, really is. I, I'm going to put this in the medicine bag on my heart. Oh, brother, I just cherish you, brother, and thank you for the message that you bring to the world because we all work for the same boss, like I said. And you know, it comes a moment where we put our intent out there. And the and, and, and the and the chefs get together to cook a meal. And right now, I'm honored and grateful that we got the opportunity to cook a meal together uh, and share that. our thoughts, <laughs> experiences. You know. Yeah. And in a beautiful thing is that we just make it with love, and who knows who's gonna eat it or not. Yeah. Right. Right. Make the meal. Build the fire. And who wants to come sit around it and, and have the meal with you? Yeah, I love that. I'm happy. This episode's Fishing for Goodies Fishbowl sponsor is Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center in Sulphur, Louisiana. I don't know what you look for when you travel, but one of the things I look for when I'm putting together my itinerary is a unique museum or gallery in the city I'm traveling to. I do this almost every time I go to a new city, but if I'm being honest, I'm guilty of not always doing that very thing right here at home in Sulphur, Louisiana. That's really a shame because we have one of the most interesting, historically relevant, and culturally rich corners in any city in the country about two minutes from where I'm sitting right now. I'm talking about the Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center. Have you ever really thought about why our city is named Sulphur? They've got a permanent exhibit on the history of the sulphur industry that answers that simple question and more. You really get a full scope of just how important the sulphur mining industry was to the development of Southwest Louisiana and the impact it had on the rest of the world. Yes, the rest of the world. On the same property, right next door to the museum, is the Henning Cultural Center, presenting some of the most interesting, modern, and culturally relevant local art shows I've ever seen. My dear friend Tom Trahan and the Brimstone Historical Society have really worked hard to give us this treasure, and it's a multifaceted jewel that I plan to take advantage of more often. You don't have to wonder what their hours are, or how to get there, or what shows are coming up. Just go to brimstonemuseum.org, like I did, and subscribe to their mailing list right there on the homepage. 
That's brimstonemuseum.org. Tom will make sure you start getting the announcements for each and every new show at the gallery. But you don't have to wait for the mail to arrive to enjoy this historical local treasure. You don't have to be guilty, like me, of overlooking a local wonder that conveniently sits next to the Grove, one of the most beautiful walking parks in southwest Louisiana. Drop in and say hi to Tom for me. Tour the museum and center, and make sure to tell Tom that you heard about Brimstone Museum on Find the Good News. Now, let's take that dive in the fishbowl. Look, I have a part of this show, it's right after the big part of our conversation, where we have, and this is funny because it's actually kind of like a, a medicine bag. This is a fishbowl that is full of questions. And they are questions that I had, a lot of them are questions that I had originally written a long time ago, and I thought I was going to use them to have these interviews. And as I said in the beginning, I just decided to throw that out the window and have a nice free-flowing conversation and allow things to go where they will. But with each guest, what we do is we draw three questions now at the end of the show from there and see where they go. And so I'm going to draw the first one out for you. And if you don't mind playing along, you can just tell me. Uh, tell me if you don't want to answer them. We can always draw another, but a lot of times the questions that I draw, um, are connected to the guest. And so your first question is what opportunity for love or money have you ever given up? I guess nothing, brother. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember giving up opportunity and money for a dream. Well, sometimes I, I, I invest in things, but they don't work out, but I just go like this. Yeah. Well, you're going with flow, right? I mean, you're going, hey, this is what's coming to my life, and this is the natural course it was supposed to take. Some things are like that. Yeah. I I can see what you mean. That's an interesting question. I mean, it seems like love and money is what kind of drives society, right? I mean, it's what every advertisement is based around is the acquisition of something or some – person that's going to give you love or some object that you can buy with money it's going to make your life better but ultimately those a lot of those things they come and they go you know yeah and integrity is always with you and integrity when you stick to your integrity you never have the ghost of betraying your integrity it's like giving up a puppy you know that you love you always want to think about what happened to my puppy but integrity is integrity and you use that as a guiding principle then. So whether love or money comes into your life, if that's there, you can almost weigh it against that and go, is this something that's going to damage my integrity as I, if I accept it in my life, right? Yes. And the peace of mind, you know, like um, one of the things that in life, you know, that, you know, many people, they, they, they get divorced or they fight for properties, you know, and, you know, me, me, my, my ex-wife, you know, she had very much things. You know, and uh, the, it was interesting how people wanted us to fight, to fight in the court, to fight the law. But, you know, oh. I say, you know, if life wants to give me something, it will give it to me. I don't have to take it away from another person hmm. because that corrupts the, the, the part that we were together in the first place. Yeah, that and makes that, a lot of sense. Up, you know? and that's with everything. Yeah, I mean, you can hold on to things. I've, I, I agree. I, I've, I've had things in my life where I've went, am I holding on to this with a fist or am I – cradling it you know i mean whether it's a relationship or a job or really anything it's like am i forcing this to happen am i do i feel tension in my actual psyche and in my body and visually am i just like hanging on for dear life to keep this thing in my life or pull it in 
or am I, you know, gently making space for it or am I holding it tenderly? And I mean, I can be, say guilty as charged. I mean, I definitely have tried to force things that, uh, and they, and they don't always go as well. They're, they're tainted with almost a, a hard energy, you know, and they don't last. They, they, they're brittle, I guess. Yeah. 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 And, and, and something beautiful that I've noticed is when we have friends of integrity, we may not see them for five years or one year, two years, but we're always on that track because we follow our integrity and mm. we respect one another. But we can be five years without seeing each other, but when we see each other, we're we're in the same course because we're following our heart and we're supporting one another. Ah, yes, yes, perfect. It's like a, a it's like a balance. It's like things become balanced. They then they go naturally together. You're right. I mean, I can look at my own relationships and see that definitely very clearly. The ones that if I don't talk to someone for years, there's an easy friendship about it. It's, it's real love. I mean, a real love of a friend. It's like, you know, it, it goes beyond the temporary uh, staying in touch constantly. You know, it's like time just doesn't yes. exist. Yeah. Yes, especially and especially when we dream, like when I dream and, and dream about my mothers, my stepmother, my grandmothers and my friends and my grandfather and I dream with them. It's the same thing. It's like I haven't seen them for five years. They're doing their life but in our dreams. We're like, I'm playing and I'm seeing them, talking to them like if they were in the room because, because they're here. Yeah, I love that. It's like, it's just like you said, it's almost like you get to go on vacation. I actually had a dream like that just last week about my father. It had been a while since I dreamed of him. And I woke up and thought, I, it was like you just described. I thought, you know, it wasn't sad. It was like, oh, that was so nice. I got to see my father. It's been such, it's been a while. I got to actually feel that reality that I'm in a space with him. And it was, is, is like being real, you know, like, like real. Well, it was real. It's like, it felt healing, you know, and you get to carry that with you. It's like a visit. I think that that's the thing that is missing sometimes is that we take that and go stick it in a container and said, okay, that's the dream container. That's not real. And it is. I love that. All right, here's here's your next question. What are your views on fame and celebrity culture? Fame and celebrity culture, there's two types, the the corrupt and the uncorrupt. The uncorrupt is the one that just wants to express themselves. They love the art. They are creating all the time, and they do it from the heart. And there's the other one who becomes ego. They think they're more important than anybody else. They separate from reality. And they live in a lie. Ah, yep. I can see it clearly. You know, people who use fame to help others. I mean, it's, and you can see that. Well, I mean, honestly, I I mean, in your arena, you know, I'm sure that there comes some notoriety, right? I mean, people know who you are. You know, I've seen, I've watched some of your videos online and I'm like, Hey, people, people know who you are. They, they seek you out. They, they, it's fame. It's it's an element of fame. It's a type of fame that comes with the work you do. But that's not why you're doing the work. It comes as a side effect, right? You do the work and then the fame just comes. The other way around, I think, like as you're saying, is when someone's intent is to get fame to simply almost reinforce the ego, right? Or expand the ego. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of have the same feeling, you know? It, it, I'm, I'm not the type of person who who likes to be out front, but yet to do work 
like what you're talking about and what you do, you have to put yourself out front sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And, and one thing that I see it, brother, is that uh, from, I'm just like this crazy man speaking out loud, you know, and sometimes <laughs> I feel like I'm speaking to myself because that's what I am doing. But you know, the, uh, the other months ago, I got the opportunity to go to India, to Rishikesh, to the Maharishi Ashram. That's the Beatles Ashram. Yeah. And I got to go into one of the rooms where it used to be a stage. So in that moment, I opened my heart, you know, I started because who I get the opportunity to be there. So I will speak there, you know, yeah. even though no one's watching. But right there, I got an epiphany, brother, knowing that my mind is the performer. Mm. Okay. The one who speaks out, express out, but it has only one audience and it's my own heart. So I speak to my heart, purifying. It's like baiting it. Whoever's witnessing me, witnesses me. That's but I'm doing what I love to do. That like is so helpful. Fly, a Jaguar likes to run. I like to do what I love to do and I don't need validation. I'll, you know, that's I'll so it helpful. It really is. I mean, how often do we go out and say, okay, people want you to say something. They want you to do something. They want you to express an opinion about something. And you may actually have one, but it's like there's an anxiety that builds, at least for me, an anxiety that builds that says, okay, you need to say something profound or say the right thing or, or um, say something that's relevant to the situation often what I've experienced is that that is so different than when I'm out alone in a sacred space to me, like whatever that is, maybe there's a stream I like to go stand by or a tree that I'm fond of, of praying under. Then when I guess the voice of the higher self speaks, it's not speaking to anybody but me, but those times are truth. Those are the things that I go, Oh, that was the thing that really needed to be shared, not this contrived, you know, message that I, you know, tweaked and pulled and tailored to be consumable. It, that was me speaking to me. Mm -hmm. God never really put that together that way. That's beautiful. And it's helpful in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that beautiful magical inspiration, it was your experience to feel that magic and you witnessed it because it was for you. But if yeah. you try to tell it to somebody else, they will not understand it because they were not there. Yeah. And you don't need to wait for the Vatican to come and send its investigators to see if it was a real miracle. Right, because right. It was not for them. It was for your eyes. And this is how Mother Nature works all the time. We're going through a hard time. We make a decision inside of us. Then we see an eagle pass by, an affirmation, mm. you know, or, or say, oh, no, I, 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 I want to hide. You know, I don't want to say hello to them. And we see a little mouse hide under a hole. Oh, I'm hiding. Another affirmation. So Mother Nature is always talking to us, but we don't want to see because we don't see ourselves. But we begin being honest with our emotion, with our honesty. Man, it's so easy to purify everything. Now yeah. we're responsible for what we say, but we're not responsible for what other people hear because sometimes people don't want to hear. Yeah, and that's not our responsibility anymore. That and you did, and you touched on something just now that's in the book. Just for the folks listening, you talked about that watching animals and nature in that specific way for messages and lessons like what you just described about the mouse hiding in the hole you know we're always looking out there and going oh i might want my find my spirit animal you know and then it's going to be this majestic bird but it, but you can get the same insight 
or a more personal insight in the moment from watching a stink bug crawl on the edge of a coffee cup or something. You know, maybe that's what you need to be looking for. Not, you know, the golden eagle isn't always <laughs> going to fly across. It might just be, you know. Yes, it's a, as simple as that. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that you brought that in because that's a good lesson to learn. Okay, this is the last question. Well, second to last question, but it's the last one out of the fishbowl. What's the best gift that you believe you've ever received? Mm. The best gift that I will ever receive is when my father was in heart attack. He was in coma for nine weeks. And I was dealing between my parasite world, leaving that world behind and stepping into my new path of life. The biggest gift that I got was getting my, my father back from the coma. And I and I was in a dark place, but when he was in a coma, is when I stepped up into my to my manhood, you say, to my to my birthright to to protect Jose from Jose. So I got into the tapes and I begin listening to my father's teaching, the teachings that call angel training, that uh, he he said that he pulled away because nobody was listening, everybody wanted baby steps. So when he was dead, I said, I don't want no baby steps, I want the truth. So I begin listening to those things. Mm-hmm. And then I begin sharing them. I don't teach them. I share them as I learn. My father woke up from the coma and it took him a, a while, a month to get himself back together. But when he was to, back together, he said, what have you been doing with your life, Jose? And I told him what I just told you. I've been sharing angel training, messenger training. And and he goes, oh, sure. I would like to see that. You know, kind of skeptical. I'm like, like, oh, sure. <laughs> and he said, he saw the people, how they were getting it. And he said, what do you do different, son? What do you, what technique do you use? I know. Instead of giving them one year, second year, third year, said we're always going to do the same. There's no your commitment. It's always going to be the same week and same things. But the whole Toltec architect plan is going to be on the table for whoever wants to change their life by themselves. So he got inspired, and uh, he came to me every weekend. And then not only him, my grandmother came to me every weekend. So I can say the gift, brother, was that I was once a dead junkie that came from life. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting next to my two teachers. And I'm here now. So I almost got a teary eye right now because I am so grateful. You know, but the journey that when we adopt love and we put our intent to leave it behind is because we really love and respect our ancestors. And here we are now, you know, enjoying this beautiful life. And there's nothing else to do. That is, that's absolutely beautiful. It's really beautiful. I'm glad you shared that. I think that's important. You know, you, you all, you've brought that up a few times, you know, and then you ending with that, that that was the gift. I mean, you said that, that you were a junkie and you're able to sit next to your, between your two teachers. I mean, there's somebody out there right now who feels that way, that they're nothing more than they're suffering right now, whatever it may be, whether they're maybe it's, whether it's addiction to anything, or maybe it's financial problems, or maybe it's trauma poverty, whatever it may be. And I know there's somebody out there right now sitting there thinking that's the whole of who they are. And that's just not the truth. You know, and you're, you're, you're here for me. I mean, I hear you say that, and it's just such a testament that that's not true for you. And it wasn't true for you and it isn't true for them. Yes, and, and there were so many opinions that I could believe in, especially one opinion that happened in my life. When my father had in coma, I spoke to him and I asked my father, what's the best way I can thank you for everything you're giving to me? He goes, help me to change the world by changing your world every time you say you can't. 
And one other thing, Jose, there will be people saying that this is your fault. They're just in pain. So when people are in pain, they don't know what they're saying. Don't take them personal. And when my father was in coma, somebody I love very much said to me, this is your fault, Jose, because a few months before I tried to take my own life, but I, I didn't. So I came back to the epiphany of enjoying the life. And this happened that if I wouldn't have talked to my father and this person would have judged me with that judge because he loved my father, you know, and, and uh, he was hurt. So in his pain, he said that to me and I didn't believe him. And I was grateful to my father. But in that moment, I got another lesson to forgive myself for ever putting poison into my body. And that's what I'm telling to everybody else. We put poison because we're running away from people not knowing how to love in this world, that we don't know how to love ourselves, that we believe those lies. Inside of everybody who's listening, you are loved and you love yourself truly. And when you really align to the ally in your life and decide to live life, your body is waiting for you and it will be a big celebration. And many things will happen, many transformations will happen. I would like to say to you, stick with the plan. You're healthy. There will be a lot of temptations happening but now you have the epiphany of what suffering it is and nobody can tell you what hell is because you've been there. Now it's time to be loyal to the love of your life, which is you. And this is another second born coming, a new rebirth coming, because now you drop the old parasite dream, the old human form, and you resurrect it. Because I believe in resurrection, but I believe it in the same life. Who cares about becoming Merlin or becoming some other person that you know and it's always like you said the ego I'm always going to be Merlin or some powerful I'm never going to be someone that no one knew no, who cares about becoming somebody else you tasted hell you don't want to go back there like I tasted hell I don't want to go back there and for awareness and gratitude I come out of there like we said with the underworld now we have the medicine to share like I have a friend who passed away last year he was uh, serving life in prison, but after five years, he got free. He learned the four agreements there in prison, and he began following those, and he began working in a rehab center, cleaning, cleaning the floors, and he made it to the top. He was the manager of the whole conductor, and he hired us, me and my brother, to do private journeys in Totiwakan with the rehabilitation center. And one day, him and me were walking uh, in, in our break, and he said to me, Jose, if you would have told me seven years ago that I would be doing this, I would not believe you. I was, and when I was in prison, that I would be here walking again in Totihuacan. When I found freedom in prison, but now I find it here, I would not believe it. And I tell you, brother, you've gone through a difficult moment yourself, and we all went through it because we had to, because it happened. Now we carry the medicine, and we're freeing people. So I've always touched my heart when I think of him because he passed away. Um, but before he passed away, he lived his dream. He overcame all those things. You know, he was in prison. He left all that dream behind. But he saved a lot of people that were just like him. So you have, we have the medicine to heal our brothers and sisters who are coming and who are there when we <sighs> go there. I never forget nothing from being. No, and that is that's that's so profound. I mean, I know I feel like I I always feel like I know when I hear truth, I and mean, there was something about you saying that that just hit me like a wave. And especially right there at the end, what you're saying is when we're going through the underworld again, when we're going through suffering, when we're going through these dark times that we don't think we're going to be able to get out of, that is the very moment that the medicine is being distilled, you know, and then we're given a gift to carry out of that. And, and your friend did that and you've done that. And, 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 you know, countless beings across time have done that and they're doing it right now. 
And we're, we, especially if we look in society right now, we can probably look around and see those medicine men and women right now, you know, who are getting that medicine to quell the world's disease. I love that. And, and I want to apply that in my life. I want to, I want to obtain that awareness daily. You know, I really do. And, and, and the first rule of the art of happiness is that we're not happy all the time. Our body goes into irritations, into upsets. That is when we open our medicine back and heal ourselves and remove ourselves from people so we don't hurt them in our reactions, calm ourselves down, use the medicine back, and, and, and return. Because that, that is what we learn how to control our poison, because this is one of the teachings that I received from the rattlesnake. When he was young, he couldn't control his poison because he gives you a bite, he will give you a dose that can heal you, because it's not how to control. It reminds me when I was young, I couldn't control my emotional poison, but now that I'm mature, like the rattlesnake is, he has more poison than when he was a baby, but he knows how to control it. Mm. And I got poison, but I begin to learn how to control it. And how to control it is to speaking with our loved ones, our relatives, honesty. I feel like this, I feel like that. You tell them, you, you know, but that's to take care of you. And you say that because of respect. And this is now where we don't hide in awareness because many people hide, oh, I'm enlightened, I don't need that. No, we all go through darkness, no matter who it is. Yeah, yeah. We're not are we confronted. Beautiful. Beautiful. And teaching. not pretend either because the mask it wears out. And thank you so much. I do thank have you, I have one last question, and it's on the back of this cup. I'm gonna send you one. This is a find the good news mug. And on the back of the mug is a very simple but profound question that we have used in our family to reshape our days. And that question is, did anything good happen today? Oh, yes. I woke up to another day. Ah, how easily we can overlook that simple blessing, right? Yep. Yeah. Simple. It's a, where the simplicity is, is where heaven is. Just like my partner says, I like my tacos simple and plain. <laughs> Too much tacos, break the taco. Yeah. It's true. I like that. If <laughs> you, you put too much in the shell and you just got a mess on your hands. <laughs> Taco wisdom. I like that. I yeah. that Look, the ne- listeners, the name of the book is The Medicine Bag, Shamanic Rituals and Ceremonies for Personal Transformation. I have read this book. I'm going to read it again. Uh, it's, it's absolutely just what it says. Personal transformation. There's something in here for you. Uh, and I know for me today, I'm definitely going to have this in the medicine bag of my heart, uh, for mm-hmm. the rest of my life, man. I, I, you know, technology has allowed me to have some pretty potent conversations that are really sticky. This one was one that I was really looking forward to. And uh, it's just an absolute blessing to, you know, sit here digitally face to face with Don Jose Ruiz. Mm. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, brother, and thank you. And I'm so grateful we get to dance this together, prepare this meal, because we both chefs work for the same boss, and I'm happy to get into the kid magical kitchen once again. Ah, yes, kitchen. the magical so kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> we do. I, that's a good lesson for me to carry away that we work for the same boss. I need to remember that daily. Thanks for listening to my Beacon Series conversation with Don Jose Ruiz. If you'd like to experience his book, The Medicine Bag, 
make sure to visit the links in the show notes. If you found something of use in this conversation, consider helping me spread the good news by supporting Find the Good News at patreon.com slash findthegoodnews. I thank you for pressing play and for syncing up with this good news signal.